Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. And what's up? Welcome in GC Live Wednesday episode of the show. As always, presented by our good friend Clint Hammond of the Mortgage Network. ClintHammond.com, 803-771-6933 is how you can get in touch with Clint. And of course, he is the branch manager right here in Columbia, South Carolina of the Columbia Mortgage Network. You can email him, chammond at mortgagenetwork.com and his NMLS number is 71597. Of course, we appreciate Clint being our presenting sponsor Big-time Gamecock, Gamecock Central fan as well. And uh, certainly interest rates are as low as they've ever been. So if you're in the market to buy a house or if you just want to refinance and maybe save a little bit of money each month, Clint is your guy. Give him a shout. Promise you he will take care of you. Again, he's Chris. I'm Wes. This is GC Live. And um, we don't don't have the the big news we had to talk about last show. Uh, Chris, last show did some numbers, man. I guess people were excited to talk about some commits. that was actually the last three shows have been probably three of our biggest of the offseason as far as the pure views go. But um, so we'll, we'll sort of take a little bit of a step back and uh, talk a little bit about some guys who are making decisions soon. Some of them actually have dates locked in and then some guys who have announced some final groupings and maybe haven't announced dates, but uh, could be deciding soon. Dude, th- this is the trend right now. Like I really think, we're going to see this continue. Kids who are who took all these visits in June, right? Then they're processing the information they got, and now they're either going to commit in at some point in July, or then I, I think there'll be some guys. There's that that final week of July where where prospects can visit again. I think kids will take some some visits then, maybe while they're on campus, or maybe shortly after campus. Uh, after they get off campus, I, I think we're going to see another run of commitments then as well. Not necessarily speaking was about South Carolina. I just mean in general recruiting this summer. Uh, that that seems to be a trend because we know guys are going to want to get it over with before their senior season start. Yeah, d- didn't you break it down into seasons? Uh, last month was visit season, and then it's yes. about to be commitment season. Uh, actually, That's SZN season. That, yeah, with a hashtag, hashtag in yeah. front. Uh, I think – this first week of July, really the end of June, this first week of July has been like top five season SZN hashtag um, because we've seen a lot of guys do this. You know, some guys have kind of narrowed things down a little bit either at the beginning of June because they kind of had some official visits outlined or they did it kind of in the midst of June. You know, just off the top of my head, we saw, you know, Oscar Delt put out a, a top five, final five, whatever you want to call it. Really, nobody else is in the mix aside from those. And even a school or two in that top five, not really in the mix. Ryan Brubaker, 
you know, who's now committed to South Carolina. He already had <clears throat> kind of his five, took a slate of official visits. South Carolina set the bar. He ended up committing there. But there's another, you know, kind of core group of guys that we'll go into here that, you know, they've narrowed their focus to whether they did it a little bit later in June or in the midst of June or right after finishing out some official visits in June. Some of those guys have another visit or two to take. Some will be able to go out, like you said, Wes, at the end of this month when they have a one-week kind of open period for recruiting where they can go visit. Um, and some of them are going to be able to hold things off and get into the season, maybe go see a game or two at a few of their places. But a lot of focuses, foci, however you say it, kind of narrowing for these prospects. Yeah, we're, we're going to get into some of these guys. We've talked about some of them already uh, throughout the week. Probably, uh, not probably, this will be an abbreviated show. We're a little bit later getting on the normal, but we still wanted to not skip the Wednesday show. And uh, I, I was going through the list earlier, Chris. Uh, by the way, for those of you uh, who haven't been on Gamecock Central today, a little bit going on uh, with men's basketball. Frank Martin speaking today. I think Chuck Chuck Martin speaking today. Brian Still speaking today. So Colin Taylor will, of course, have and already has updates on that going on. And, again, the last couple of days, uh, guys announcing final groups, guys announcing uh, commitment times. I've got a story up with uh, Carson Black, the in-state quarterback, Nation Ford High School, class of 2023 kid. Uh, finally caught up with him. He took two visits to South Carolina in June. So um, appreciate him doing that interview. So if you're if you're into all that stuff, that's up on GamecockCentral.com. Some of it for subscribers and, and some of it free. But uh, we, we already talked about it. I believe this news had hit before we did the show earlier this week, Chris. But um, four-star back Ramon Brown will reveal his decision Friday at 5 o'clock. Uh, you had South Carolina, Penn State, Virginia Tech, West Virginia, and Maryland. We talked quite a bit about what type of player he is, but um, we were still digging. We were still sort of trying to figure out what direction this was going to go. I think independently we've heard some various things here that that sort of match up, man. I I think our initial instinct – it's not confirmed yet. We'll see what he does on Friday. But our initial instinct was going to be that Virginia Tech was probably going to be tough to beat. In my opinion, that's probably still where this one sits right now. I'm sure South Carolina will try to, you know, finish it out and and make any final pitches in the next couple of days. But uh, I would I would give Virginia Tech the advantage if I was putting percentages on it. Yeah, Virginia Tech, and I think the other program that I believe we both heard West Maryland also in there too. And so when you look at that, you know, DMV area kid, two DMV schools as the finalists. So. Um, you know, all South Carolina in some ways was the outlier, right? As far as his college options, I don't know if he ended up taking that visit to Tennessee West that he discussed. I don't know if you know off the top of your head, an unofficial visit to Tennessee. I don't believe he did. Uh, but South Carolina being kind of the outlier in that, you know, it was the only SEC program and it was the only program kind of this far down south. And so, one thing that was told to me was, and I think we made the same point before, Gamecocks got in on this guy late, right? Like he already had four official visits basically laid out, scheduled, if not kind of loosely on the books, had one left. South Carolina wanted to try to get in on the kid, and they were able to get him on campus. Um, that said, the relationships there, because this is a brand-new staff at a school that really you know, had not been recruiting him with that staff – 
uh, it, it came on late. And so they got a visit. Looks like it'll be the pick will be elsewhere. Now, the, the natural question people have, will they keep recruiting him? Could things change? I don't know that we have the answers to that right now. Um, I think you made a great point on, on the Insiders Forum this morning, Wes, when somebody asked about Brown and, and J-Line Glover out of Florida. Gamecocks aimed high in this class, right? They're not just going out recruiting just anybody at running back. Um, they, they set, they've set their sights on some, some big targets, kind of taking a big swing because it's not a giant need position in terms of numbers. You know, and I think, Chris, uh, another trend there, they're swinging big at that position. And they're not taking that approach. Uh, Montero's, Montero Hardesty does not seem to believe in taking that approach where you offer 25 kids at the running back spot and you're talking to all of them and you're telling them all the same things and you're giving them the same exact recruiting pitch. It, it's been more of a, A, let's swing for the fences. B, let's swing after sort of a, a, a pretty tight little group now. You know, I, I think if you if they miss Ramon Brown as as expected, they of course they they really want Jalen Glover. That he remains a, a top target, but I'm a a big portion of those sort of maybe five or six guys we've been tracking the most have now started to sort of commit elsewhere. So I, I do think, man, that that's when you'll maybe see this thing expand out a little bit more, and you start to get into a next group of guys. There, um, I'll tell you, man, I'm intrigued. Uh, there's a kid we haven't talked about a lot at all, but Jay Zion Patterson, a kid that visited with his group of uh, teammates. A huge group came in from uh, from down in Florida. They always come to South Carolina's camps. They were up again this year, and um, you know I, I think is a guy. He, he's spoken very highly of South Carolina, so I I don't know that we know exactly who the next guys might would be if Ramon Brown, um, you know, if South Carolina misses on him as as expected, but. We, we do know that, that they'll continue to swing on Jalen Glover and uh, that, you know, maybe may an, another name or two, not necessarily is even new, but just becomes more to the forefront. Yeah, and a lot of people have asked, you know, at that point, I've gotten this more than once in the past couple of days, will South Carolina kind of double back on C.J. Stokes out of Hammond, local kid from Columbia? We don't know. Um, is it possible? Something we'd at least ask that question and try to figure out. Even if it's are the chances high of something cooking mutually between those two parties, I don't know. Maybe not a super high chance, but uh, there might be some new names crop up on the board. Could South Carolina just at some point stand pat in this class and say, you know what, we'll go out. If we don't land the guy that we want in this class, we don't want to reach. Let's go out and sign one or two really good ones in the next class. Is that possible? That's something we'll ask at that point, but. Brown, like you said, expected to go elsewhere. Would it be over? Would it? Def- I don't know. We'll, we'll certainly monitor that. But then Jaylon Glover, and then some other guys that could that could pop up. But I think you, you hit on it earlier. Kind of that core wish list or, or dream list of you know four, five, six guys. We have started seeing some of those commit elsewhere. You know, Dallin Hayden, a guy that South Carolina had some ties to, maybe angling for a visit. He commits to Ohio State. You got Ramon Brown, um, Nick Singleton's a guy that the new staff didn't really seem to gain any traction with, uh, but he commits to Penn State, really good get for them. So there's definitely been some movement at that position and things maybe clearing up in some ways from a regional national picture, but making it a little bit murkier for South Carolina right now. Yeah, and I, I think that's a spot, man. 
South Carolina has such good young talent at the position right now. Plus, you have a coach coming in late. Um, you're gonna have a you're gonna have a little easier sell, frankly, with 2023 because you know Hardesty's personality is gonna play. Like I promise you, this guy is going to sign. This guy's gonna sign really good players at that position. I have no doubts about that. Now. Are you sort of at a little bit of a disadvantage right now? It's a huge advantage to take over that room as far as on the field. But as far as recruiting goes, you know, Marshawn Lloyd still, still has all of his eligibility remaining. So you're, you're sort of – you're going to be fighting that a, a little bit right now. Give him an entire year to develop some relationships. And now all your guys in that room are a year older, a year closer to exhausting their eligibility, and things play out a little bit differently, I, I think, moving forward. Doesn't mean they can't sign it. You know, it, they're not out of it with Jalen Glover. Like, they are still firmly in it. We'll see which way that one goes. But um, certainly something to monitor there at the running back position moving forward. Also some movement here recently with defensive backs. And that, that's a spot where South Carolina is, um, I believe, going to be selective down the stretch, Chris. And – Certainly someone that, that visited South Carolina officially that we have tracked. Uh, Chris Graves, a four-star from uh, Fort Myers, Florida, announces his top four. South Carolina makes the cut. He's going to announce his, his school on Friday. Um, I tend to think this is going to be Miami. That seems to have been the, the trend there. That was the school that was mentioned the most. I, I think Miami probably feels the best. You have to see all these through, right? Sometimes we get shocked and a guy picks a school nobody expects, but it seems like Miami has been the perceived favorite here with, with Graves. Yeah, that's been the one that's had the most buzz, and, and not even just recently, you know, for quite a while. Um, Graves talking about the U a lot on social media and things like that. And, again, another kid, South Carolina's had a, a big crop of talent at the defensive back position. What did they have that, that same weekend with Chris Graves and some of the other guys, I think it was six four-star defensive backs that were on campus at once. And Graves was one of those. And by all accounts from what he told us, what, what we heard had, had a good trip. But I think this is a kid from the state of Florida that for some time has kind of been, you know, had his eyes a little bit towards Miami. And so that, that would be my expectation certainly on this one with Chris Graves. Traquan Fagans today, Chris, uh, names his top five. South Carolina makes the cut here. Uh, another situation of bat- battling the big boys. You're, if, you're, if you're in a conversation and it involves a football recruit and it's your school plus Alabama, Georgia, Miami, and Oklahoma, you're, uh, you're after the right people. You're after the right kids, right? You're after the right level of player. Um, I don't have as good of a feel – for uh, for him, I, I know there, there's been talk. There was actually talk on the Alabama message board, just fan speculation, just talk about um, you know is he a guy Alabama's pushing for? Is he not a guy Alabama's pushing for? We had some of the same conversations uh, about Antonio Kite, the DB that South Carolina was also recruiting. Alabama was recruiting. Come to find out that was a guy Alabama was was going to take and, and did take. He commits there. So um, Georgia heavily involved. I, I don't have as as maybe close of a knowledge on this one. Maybe you have some insight on it, Chris, but um, I know the kid's a heck of a player. He does not have that sort of set-in-stone decision date that I've seen, but did tell us after his South Carolina official 
he was another several guys sort of had that terminology of saying i want to do it soon want to do it this summer want to do it before the season stuff like that he fits in that same category um where do you have you heard where his head may be on this thing moving forward well, and that's that's a key question, you know, that you hit on with Antonio Kite, the other four-star DB. You know, when Bama decides that it's going to push for a talented, you know, player, whether it's defense player, offensive player in its home state, the reality is they don't lose a ton of those battles. Do they lose some? Some. Not a ton. Uh, very few, in fact. And so uh, that's what happened with Antonio Kite and – it is still for me a question because it was a question until late, right? With Antonio Kite is still a question for me of whether or not that's going to be the case with Fagans. Now, uh, if the tide pushes, that no doubt will be a big factor. They are already a big factor. Uh, Miami, like we mentioned with Chris Graves, that's another one I've heard a good bit of with Fagans. I think South Carolina is in the conversation beyond that. It's kind of hard to say, in the pecking order, maybe exactly where South Carolina is, other than in that top five. That's one that you know has been a little bit harder, just to be honest, to get a firm read on. They did have a really good visit. Family, you know, spoke really highly of the visit. You know, not only just based on what you saw on social media, but some things that I've heard. You know, kind of been told directly is they they were impressed and had a good time. But obviously, you know, take a lot of official visits go well. It takes a lot more than that to sign a guy of this caliber. Yeah, and uh, they they offered his brother while uh, while they were on the official visit as well. Offered his younger brother, so that w- that was a cool little. And the brother has he's got a bunch of big time offers already, but cool little extra tidbit there for uh, for the family to to go home with it with another offer in the fam. I, I can't imagine that happens very often on official visits where you add another SEC offer to the family. So pretty cool there. I tend to think, man, the guy that that we should be tracking and that we are tracking that maybe of the final DBs, I just get the impression South Carolina is in the best shape with is Keenan Nelson jr. Um, this has been a, a deal where I think um, strangely South Carolina and Penn state have interlocked on the recruiting trail quite a bit. This, uh, this class, maybe more so in, in past classes. I think those two teams are very strong here with Keenan Nelson Um Keenan Nelson has not come out with a decision timetable or anything like that, a specific date. But I, I think among these final DBs we're keeping an eye on, he's maybe the one I, I think South Carolina uh, could be in the best shape with. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you on that same page. Um, and I think one reason for that is just that the, the focus for him seems to be a little bit more narrow. Like I, I'm, don't think that he's said my list is down to those two schools. Um, but for quite some time, Penn State and South Carolina have been the two main ones mentioned for him. At one point, Notre Dame, you know, was mentioned as, as kind of a third option. Uh, but Penn State and South Carolina for a period of months have been kind of the main two that he's talked about that have been discussed in kind of the back channels when you're talking with people about Keenan Nelson Jr. Those have been the main guys. And that's remained the same throughout the summer. You know, he went and saw both places, exiting South Carolina visit, same type of deal. And I also get the sense, Wes, that, you know, he, he's not a Penn State lock. Could he end up there? Sure. Home State program, they've been recruiting him hard. Uh, he could very well end up there. But that said, I think South Carolina is not getting just token consideration here. And I think 
that's evidenced by the fact that they have been in that kind of one of two schools that have been mentioned so consistently. And just from what we've heard, you know, that just independently, just some things that we've heard that, that South Carolina heavily, heavily in the mix with them. Not to say they will get him, uh, but they have a legitimate shot, it seems like. And uh, for those of you on video feed here, you can see his film in front of you right now. I think as far as just add, adding a little bit more size to, to that cornerback spot, man, this is a kid that that has that in spades and, and is, you know, he's a top 200 prospect in the country that has the big offers would, would really, if they could pull this off, it's sort of, to me, it's like, it's like a cherry. It's already a good defensive back class and it's going to be, but th- this would sort of be the cherry on top uh, to that class is maybe how I would look at, at, at that spot. And yes, you already have a number of guys committed there, but we talked about this earlier, man. That's just a position where if you're in South Carolina's spot right now, if you have a great player, you you can't turn them down. You got to make room for them. And I, I think that's why a lot of these kids we're still talking about, if it was just about numbers in general, and maybe you were talking to a few average players, I don't know if we're even still talking about defensive back. But I, I think when when you have this many high quality four star guys in all these cases who took a very recent official visit and took the time to really check out your program, you owe it to yourself to sort of keep recruiting them all, in my opinion. You do. And, you know, the bonus here, I don't know if bonus is the right word, but just another layer to it, another factor, you know, South Carolina still, despite having a a good, you know, defensive back class, they do have five, you know, DB commitments. You know, it's all those guys are going to have to compete with each other once they get on campus. Um, so you kind of look at what South Carolina has on campus right now. Obviously, defensive back playing time is something they can sell to anyone. That uh, They've sold it, you know, to prospects who've already committed, and they're going to be able to sell it to Keenan Nelson Jr. and any and Fagans and anybody else who's on board. The, the spots are limited now. They can afford to be more selective at this point. Um, but some, but for someone like Nelson, I think is the point I'm trying to make, is they don't look at the situation probably and say, well, there's – no room in the class. There's no room on the roster. Playing time's an issue. If you're a good defensive back prospect, you're going to have the ability, if you're in this 2022 class for South Carolina, to step on campus. And if you're good enough, you're going to be able to play because it's, you know, this was the biggest need position on defense heading into this cycle. Speaking of defensive backs and speaking of playing early, got word from uh, Ronald Prunty, which is uh, Karan Prunty's father, Chris, that, um, he is set to arrive on South Carolina's campus today. So um, obviously I know when he committed, some guys were – or some of the fans were wondering when exactly he could be here. It's July 7th. So that, to me, that's that's a no, that's more good news there for South Carolina fans. We knew Prunty was going to be able to come in and play early. Uh, you didn't know exactly – especially with a guy that counts forward, I didn't know exactly how it was going to work when he could get here. Would you have to wait until August? Would you have to wait until August camp starts, all that stuff? He is a set to arrive on campus today, which means he will um, be able to get started pretty much right off the bat and and then slide right in at the beginning of preseason camp in August. I'll be curious, Chris, to see just how, how long does it take um, before he moves into that cornerback one spot uh, with the starting group because I think that's firmly the expectation here for him. Yeah, I think – Brunny certainly would anticipate that. One of the reasons I'm sure he picked South Carolina 
you know, there, there's playing time on the table. You know, you look at his two final options, Tennessee and South Carolina, both those programs holes at defensive back, right? And so um, he's he's a good player. He's got the physical tools to be able to contribute early. And um, I think he's going to have every opportunity to do that. And again, you, you don't look at this roster and get the sense that anyone's set, you know, really at any spot, probably. I think a lot of people, I'll include myself in there, have Cam Smith kind of penciled in at one corner spot, but do we even know that for sure? Probably not. I mean, is that a fair expectation? Yeah, but I think at the bare minimum, you'd probably look at one of those corner spots as being pretty open, and so there's going to be every opportunity for Prunty to step in. And Again, a guy with a full slate of eligibility, basically, um, but he already has some college experience and some impactful college experience. Yeah, again, it's going to be an abbreviated show here, so getting to the point of closing it out. But, Chris, I wanted to finish up. You had an article yesterday on Gamecock Central, subscribers only, but on some guys that you were most impressed with at South Carolina's camp, uh, the Shane Beamer camps that went on for 10 days in June. Chris and I were out there every single day. You had 7 7 going on for four of those days as well. Um was there a guy on – and by the way, you can go check it out, Gamecock Central, by position. Was there a guy or two that impressed you the most out of this entire list? Whew, yeah, that's that's a good – man, I, so I'll say this. We saw a lot of really good prospects. Several guys that did not make that list in any form or fashion, you know, were, were very impressive. You know, um, I think several, like, for instance, 2024 guys – that I could have easily listed on here that, that didn't make the cut. Just looking through, I think maybe the most impressive prospect that we saw in total, like out of any class, any position, uh, Monroe Freeling, the offensive lineman from Oceanside Collegiate, uh, he was outstanding. It just the frame, the size was impressive. Watching him move around, watching him compete, and then in one-on-ones, I mean, nobody stood a chance. I mean, he he just he had everything that you look for in an offensive tackle prospect as far as the frame, the ability to bend, move, get his hands on people. He was probably the most impressive. And I know another one that we saw that created a lot of buzz was Anthony Rose, uh, the, who eventually, of course, recommitted to South Carolina. Um, we were very, I know, anxious to watch him once we found out he was there. And he didn't disappoint. Great length, ran well, tested well. Um, and did a very good job in the one-on-ones with at least a couple interceptions that we saw. Yeah, and, um, like you said, man, there's some guys that didn't make the list that I, I thought were – that looked outstanding. I, You know, another kid, uh, the tight end, Ty Lockwood, class of 2023. Um, I didn't – I personally didn't – I was on the other field. I didn't see him as much out there, but just watching him just physically looked the part, um, I, I thought. Um, but, dude, of, of the entire list – Monroe Freeling was definitely up there. He, no doubt, he was outstanding. If if Monroe Freeling had not come to South Carolina's camp, then Cam Pringle would have been up there for me. This kid, as far as just physically, Cam Pringle is one of the best looking rising sophomore offensive linemen that I have ever seen in my life, literally. And uh, but but I tell you, man, Dylan Lonergan, the way he spins the football. The way it comes out, the quiet sort of quiet confidence, the leadership there. He he's up there for me as well. Yeah, he was really impressive. I mean, um, 
checked all the boxes. I mean, easy, easy release, you know, accuracy, arm strength. Like he had all those things They're, You know, they're evident on film, but you watch a guy throw in camp and, um, you know, you came away saying, all right, that, that guy looks like a really good player. Um, I'll echo you on Pringle. You know, Nick and Worry, I thought, put on a really good performance, you know, in terms of what he looked like and, and watching him move around. Um, you know, I think another one, you know, we're talking about young offensive linemen and Cam Pringle in state, Josiah Thompson from Dillon, um, I, th- I think was still 14 years old, wasn't he, at the time of camp. Um, if not, he had just turned He 15. was late 14 or early 15. Yeah, I mean, it, it be you know, to be that big, what, 301 pounds and doesn't look like it, you know, still has a, a lean frame. Um, does he have some progression to do? Sure. You know, he was – remember him watching him go against DeAndre Martin, a senior from Virginia who has a South Carolina, Tennessee offer. He's holding his own and coming back for more, you know, and he's three or four years younger and not nearly as advanced physically or in age, you know, from a maturity standpoint. So uh, he's got a chance to be really, really good too, and I think he was uh, he was impressive too. I I took more in watching Josiah Thompson get beat a couple of reps by DeAndre Martin, who had a great camp day. We'll, we'll give him credit. Than I did from watching any other prospect even like win a rep, just because this yeah. is a super super young kid, and that you remember that day, man. Both sides. Not not the players, but like um, current players that were out there working the camp. There was a little bit of jawing, O line versus D line. It was going back and forth, and you know the the DeAndre Martin kid. He he was he was getting into it. I don't think he realized he was going up against a kid that's the class of twenty twenty four at first. But then um, you know Josiah got beat a couple times, and Josiah walked right back up there and, and asked for more, which I, I thought said a lot. Some young guys get thrown in that spot and they sort of back down a little bit. The fact that his move was to go right back out there, very, very impressive. And I think speaks speaks a ton about Josiah's competitiveness and, and what that kid is all about. Um, South Carolina in really, I think, safe to say, in really good early shape with him. He had a great visit. I think his family had a great visit. Got a lot of love from the South Carolina staff. But, man, I I cannot remember a time. We may have talked about this on the show. I know we talked about it off the air. I cannot remember a time when when the state of South Carolina had up-and-coming prospects on the offensive line that looked like Josiah Thompson, Monroe Freeling, that looked like um, Cam Pringle, that looked like – who else do we have? I'm missing somebody. Dorman. Yeah, Marky Anderson from the Marky Anderson. Dude, that's four guys coming up in in those 23, 24 classes that most other years are are pretty much like, oh, that's the top offensive lineman in the state this year. And now you have four of those guys in in two classes there. If if any of the in-state schools can can land two or three out of those four, then they're going to be feeling pretty good. (laughs) <laughs> they are. That's a nice crop to choose from. If you're South Carolina and you could somehow sweep those guys, I mean, you would be feeling great. Is that realistic? I, I don't know. They put themselves back into into at least the conversation with Freeling after that camp experience, after that visit. Um, like you said, they're, they're in the conversation, I think, now with the new staff with, with Marky Anderson too. Obviously, Thompson, Pringle, 
you know, they're, they're in the conversation with those guys as well. Freeling probably, I mean, I, he's, he's the best offensive line prospect in the state in a while. I mean, I, I can't off the top of my head think of one that, that may be better. I mean, he, he's really got it all, um, all the things that you look for at that position. And uh, I've said it before, man, the dude swears by yoga and, uh, and it works his flexibility, the, uh, the bend, all that stuff that offensive line coaches talk about kids got it in spades and, you know, we'll see if South Carolina can keep making a push there. There's a lot of early Clemson buzz with him. I think he's highly interested in them. I think he's highly interested in maybe Notre Dame, North Carolina, some schools like that. But South Carolina did at least, I think, put themselves in the conversation with him. Whereas, you know, before they weren't even in the conversation there. So we'll see. That That's one we'll keep tracking and, and see where it goes. All right, that's the 30-minute mark, a little bit over. Chris, you got any closing thoughts, man? No closing thoughts. Appreciate everybody tuning in. Sorry for the abbreviated show, but I, I was going to say we. I will be back on Friday. Yes, uh, I will be at the beach. If y'all have any Folly Beach recommendations, hit me on Twitter. I want to know where I should go. Um, but, yeah, I'll be back Monday. We'll still have you covered here on, on DC Live and Gamecock Central, though. Clint Hammond, Mortgage Network, presenting sponsor, ClintHammond.com. Appreciate him, as always, and we appreciate y'all. We'll see you soon. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandslots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.